Welcome in everybody to the latest edition of the All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. Joining me, my guy, Logan Lamarandier. We are here today checking in on all the latest happenings with the Detroit Lions. The coaching staff is down in Alabama, the Senior Bowl. So much great content was delivered this week from the general manager to the head coach to the assistants, and so much is happening in the world of the National Football League. I love the opportunity to spend some time on the weekend with my guy, Logan. What's happening, my guy? What's up, man? How's it going? It's all good, man. A great weekend, a great week of content for the Detroit Lions. I am somebody now that looks at the Senior Bowl a little bit more than in the past. I know that supporters of the Lions are definitely looking at draft prospects. They're looking at opportunities to see where the Lions are are interested in this year's draft. I thought the first point of emphasis that was really important came from the Lions wide receivers coach. I felt like the honesty that Antoine Randall L. shared with reporters who were down in Alabama this week was candid and fair. He said he's going to tell management, to tell Dan Campbell, tell Brad Holmes, that he wants three more wide receivers for competition. And that could include two from the draft and one in free agency. And I thought that that comment was among the most refreshing that you can hear from the Lions because they recognize that that position was uh, an area of weakness, which is what was said to Brad Holmes directly. I asked I asked Brad Holmes before the season started, how can you judge Jared Goff fairly when you give him these wide receivers? And he poo-pooed it and, went and spun it in a way that said that he felt like the receivers could do some things. But in the end, it shook out. He had to go out and bring in a Josh Reynolds to take the top off some defenses to help out Jared Goff. So I thought that that comment really was honest and refreshing because I could see it. Three new wideouts coming in for some competition has me excited. It does. And I mean, it's it's a little vague what he said, too, because, yeah, the Lions do need probably three more wide receivers, considering that Amon Ross St. Brown and Quintez Cephas are really the the top guys that are actually – uh, for sure to be back next year, you know, Josh Reynolds, um, isn't good. He could still be around. I hope the lions do try to bring him back, but he's a free agent, but yeah, the lions just need to inject talent there. And as has been an issue for most of the season, especially more so at the start of the season, you know, with guys like Bashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, not being able to make any impact at all. And those were supposed to be the, the guys that they were bringing in, although they were paid not much at all. So it wasn't that big of a risk, but, um, yeah, the Lions definitely need to find some more talent there. And I, I do think the Lions should try to double up in the draft, try to get one a little higher and then take a late round flyer on some guy that has some talent or a skill set that can be used in certain situations. And and as far as free agency goes, I'm, I'm still kind of hoping the Lions don't spend big money on a wide receiver just because I think they can find those guys in the draft um, and try to. You know, guys like Josh Reynolds can show up. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, yes, the Lions do need to really add a lot of talent there. And I'm glad that they're noticing it. And Antoine Randall also fully understands just what his position group looks like. And that uh, compared to the rest of the league, they got some work to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have at least identified one talent on your roster in Amonra St. Brown, who you can go see a quality interview that was done with Fan Nation at si.com slash NFL slash Lions. Amonra was kind enough to give us seven minutes of his time, spoke to one of our great reporters, 
and shared kind of what his reaction was to his first season, learning Dan Campbell's playbook and what he's expecting for the second season in the league. But I'll ask you this. You now know you've seen what St. Brown brings to the table. You got this potentially really solid slot receiver who can do a lot of things, a la Julian Edelman, a la Danny Amendola, and maybe even in in the memory of Lions fans, somebody that can become the next Golden Tate here in Detroit. How, in your opinion, do you complement that? It makes sense that you need a true number one, kind of in line with, if you're watching the playoffs, what the Bengals got in Jamar Chase. Somebody that you can throw a three-yard out to who on every play could go 40 and has really top-end speed. Somebody that really is what we call a true number one, an alpha. And I think that's obviously a need. A number one that can protect Amonra St. Brown and even give him more opportunities. Along with that, what type of receivers do you think the Lions need that would best complement what you got so far? You know, I think Amonra St. Brown is is mostly a slot. He can line up everywhere, but I think he does his best in the slot. You don't have to make him a slot only, but I, I do still think the Lions need like a true number one, you know, bigger bodied guy, uh, you know, that checks all the boxes, has the speed for the deep threat, contested catches, um, you know, just a more well-rounded dominant number one. And St. Brown, give him a lot of credit. He put up some amazing stats in the year, but I think a lot of that was probably just a byproduct of him being the only reliable option the Lions had because uh, Swift dealt with his injuries. Hawkinson went out and then the Lions really didn't have many other options to go to. So I think those numbers might be a little inflated. I, I don't know if he can keep up with that. Hopefully he can. But when you add other receivers, I think by default, his numbers might go down a little bit, but it's not a bad thing. It's just the Lions have more options and that's that's what you want. And if you need to rely on St. Brown, he's shown that he can do it. But to me, I, I really think the Lions need um, a true number one. And, and uh, number ones come in all different shapes, shapes and sizes these days in the NFL. But I would still like just more of your traditional big bodied, you know, X wide out that's typically on the outside. That is a matchup nightmare, even for some of the best corners in the game, you know, just a bigger player. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But that's as me personally, I'd prefer just to have one of those bigger, true wideouts. Yeah, exactly. And then you said it. I, I, I don't think you would pretty much co-sign the lines going out and getting a big, uh, high-priced free agent like Chris Godwin or Devontae Adams, maybe more in the mid-range. Is there somebody that you have looked at and said, okay, maybe if you pick him up, he could complement what you have? I kind of agree. I think that staying away at this point in the rebuild, especially when you have 10 picks, you could go – two, three wide receivers deep in this class and potentially look at uh, undrafted free agents or people that are, are, are within your organization as well. You know, uh, Quintez Cephas could emerge. You're looking for one because you you pretty much like Khalif Raymond. You like uh, Quintez Cephas. You like Reynolds if they decide to stay with the Lions. But is there somebody in that mid-range that you kind of go out and say, you know what, this is a possession receiver that can uh, potentially handle a lot of things. I know Allen Robinson from the Bears potentially is going to ask and command for a lot of money. There are a lot of receivers out there that potentially could do some things, but anybody that you've said, well, maybe if, if he donned a Lions uniform would really help this offense and help Jared Goff. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on Mike Williams. It just really all, you know, really depends on just what these guys are asking for, because 
even last year when Kenny Galladay was asked around 18 million, I, I just feel like $18 million can be so much better spent at other positions and just go through the draft to get, to get these type of playmakers. So um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, like what Odell Beckham is asking for. I, I know the being on the Rams has probably increased his value because he's shown he can still be a productive receiver, but the lions could get him at the right price. I still think he's a guy who has a lot left in the tank. He still has speed, still has great hands. Uh, he's not what he used to be, but it, it really all comes down to price. I just don't want to spend a lot of money at the position because I think the lions have a lot of holes elsewhere that could be better spent, you know, with their uh, limited amount of salary cap. So uh, just every year is a strong draft year for wide receivers. Uh, it never fails. There's always mid round guys that are, can come in and make an impact. And you don't really find that all too often at other positions. Yes. There's always gems at other positions, but I feel like wide receiver is more than most. You give guys opportunities and they're able to perform. So I, I don't know if there's really any one wide receiver of free agency that I'm like, Oh, the Lions really need to go after him. It just, it's all going to come down to that, the price point. Maybe it's a bigger sell for free agents too, that, you know, any receiver that would come in, if the Lions paid him a little bit of money, they probably could be, you know, the top receiver right away. And there's not too many other teams where um, <laughs> they don't already have a number one wide receiver. So maybe that's more uh, of a factor than, you might think, but I, I keep going back kind of to Odell Beckham, just wondering what his price point's going to be because I, I wouldn't mind having him on the Lions. I know he might be a little bit of a headache, uh, <laughs> especially if the Lions aren't winning. Maybe he wouldn't even want to come to the Lions, but who knows? If he's able to win the Super Bowl, maybe he'll be uh, more willing to go to another team and just trying to get his stats back and be heavily involved in an offense. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be something that at least would be very intriguing to have a little bit of a personality. Um, the one thing that I think that Brad Holmes said, obviously after talking about the quarterbacks, was openly admitting that the Lions are open for business and willing to trade down the number two pick. And just look at, it's not that difficult, look at the Rams history. I think that when you recognize, people say, oh my gosh, they don't have many first round picks. Oh my gosh, they're desolate. No, what they've been able to do is really draft a lot of players in rounds three through seven. They've, uh, they're among the teams that have drafted the most players. So while they're not really investing in the top end picks because they've used them as collateral or used them as uh, trade chips and pieces to get talent, they have trusted their department, their scouting, to go out and get players in later rounds. So I could see Brad Holmes saying, look, yeah, Thibodeau, yeah, Hutchinson are out there. But we're open for business. We're open to potentially taking the safety down at number seven through 10. And I think that that's really maybe even this year. I know we talk about it every year. This year might be the realistic year that this is the time to try and really do it to get down to number eight to 12. If you think you can get Hamilton or one of the talented cornerbacks out there uh, early on to help secure the secondary or maybe even. Uh, we'll talk about it in a few moments, maybe even that quarterback if you go deeper in the first round. But I thought that it was encouraging to hear that Brad Holmes and the Lions are willing to move on from number two. I like Hutchinson and Thibodeau, but you're hearing that they're not as good as the likes of those that were drafted before, like the Bosa's, you know? So when you look at it, you say, it's number two. You need somebody really at a high-end level. But hey, what was your reaction when you heard Brad Holmes' Lions open for business, baby? 
I think it should always be that way. I don't think there should ever be a GM who says, oh, I'm not I'm not moving. You need to be open to all possibilities. And especially when the Lions, when you're in a rebuild, the more picks, the better. And if you can move down a few spots and still grab, you know, the a, a premier player at a, another position, um, you got to entertain that. And especially, you know, I Hutchinson and Thibodeau are both, I think those are the the top two guys in the draft. Kyle Hamilton definitely is in that conversation as well. It's just at a position that's not highly sought of or that premier position as edges. I, I think the Lions could definitely use an edge. So I, I do feel like it would take a lot to probably move down, but maybe there's a team who's also willing to give up a lot to move up and get one of these edge rushers. So to me, the, the, the compensation package would have to be pretty good for the Lions, and it typically is to move up to the number two spot, and that's what's really enticing about it. Um, but yeah, just like Holmes said, I'd always entertain the option to move down, and if it makes sense, uh, do it. But to to me, I'd really, I would really like to have Hutchinson or Thibodeau on the team, just because uh, those that's a cornerstone position. You, those defensive ends, the pass rush are so important in the NFL. Uh, they're super expensive if they do hit the open market and there's not many, not many of the top edge rushers ever even get to the open market just because they're always locked up once they are drafted on a team. So to me, if the lions have the opportunity to draft one of those guys, I think you do it unless someone just blows you away with an offer and at that point in a rebuild, I think that makes sense too. But uh, I, I still kind of am hoping for Hutchinson or Thibodeau. Nice. And I think what you're trying to accomplish now, I know it's not exactly parallel because the Lions do not yet possess their franchise guy, but a lot of people are encouraged by the growth and the quick growth of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think for me, it does give me hope that it's possible. Look, the Bengals have been in the playoffs. They have had a lot more success as an organization than the Lions have. They just couldn't get over the hump when they got to the playoffs. They had a head coach, a defensive guru in Marvin Lewis. But when they would get to the postseason, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get over that hump, kind of a la Jim Caldwell, where many people felt like, okay, this is probably the farthest that we can get with these caliber of coaches. So they go out and they rebuild. And in a couple years, they trusted the process. I mean, Zach Taylor took a lot of heat when he doesn't win a handful of games his first two years. And in the NFL, that is the time when people start, you know, saying that the coach is on the hot seat, that things are not working, but they stuck to their process. They get Joe Burrow, they hit on a franchise quarterback, and then they pair him up with somebody he's very familiar with. And you can get that offense off the ground with the likes of a Jamar Chase, who is emerging as really a quality stud, number one wide receiver. So you look at that and you say, yeah, the line situation is a little bit different. They're taking maybe a different approach with it, with the emphasis on the O-line and the run game and the defense as well. But how encouraging is what the Cincinnati Bengals did, getting to the big game against the Rams and, and, and getting some quality wins, really surprising everybody against the Kansas City Chiefs. How encouraging does their situation make it when you look at how the Lions are rebuilding? Yeah, I think it's still a quarterback spot. That's probably, you know, the biggest thing for the Lions. Um, but it is encouraging just because turnarounds can happen fast in the NFL. And if you look at the Bengals roster, they have a lot of youth on their roster and a lot of players that are up and coming. Their defense, they they hit on their free agents. They hit on a lot of draft picks. 
they piece together their cornerback room with, with free agents. And it just shows, you know, they got better as the season went on. And then, <laughs> you know, even the second half against the chiefs, just how good they were. And uh, I, I think the lions have their defensive coordinator right now. And Aaron Glenn, as long as he doesn't become a head coach somewhere, if he sticks around, I, I really like what he was being able to do with the pieces the lions had it. That's encouraging. So I think the lions, you know, just keep adding talent and it just shows in the NFL, it's a league of parity where, you know, they're, if you're a bad team, you're given every chance to get better. And I, I think that bode well for the lions and we just have to hope the right pieces are in place. Cause I, we've said this for many years about the lions, you know, just waiting for them to take this step, but the Cincinnati Bengals can do it. You know, hopefully the lions can too soon. Yeah. It's going to be great to see because Right now, year two, there are expectations. Amonra St. Brown said that, hey, we want to get to the postseason. We want to start there. We want to get a lot of wins. We want to be able to win the division. So they're starting to talk about realistic goals that are out there, at least in terms of what they're striving for. And for me, it's just a straightforward approach that who's the quarterback going to be? That for me and everybody really, you know, wonders, well, why are you guys looking at so many quarterbacks in the senior bowl or in the draft and things like that? Why are our beat writers and things like that? So emphasis, so focused, hyper-focused on the quarterback position. It's a key position. It's important. You see what happens when an organization like the Rams goes all in and gets somebody like the, with the caliber of Matthew Stafford and you surround him with a lot of talent and you push all in, you have the opportunity for the ultimate success. And I think for the Lions, they're looking for that. And that's, in my opinion, that is going to be the marquee decision for Brad Holmes is which quarterback do you target to be next after Jared Goff? Because if you don't get it right and you struggle, it's going to be a long time before you actually taste success. So it's going to be a big decision, which is why maybe they won't make it this year, but we shall see. We are going to start talking about the biggest storylines that came out of the Senior Bowl in Alabama. So everybody down in Alabama had an opportunity to watch a handful of practices, three down at the Senior Bowl, with the uh, Detroit Lions being part of one of the coaching staff, the Jets being the other. And the Lions had an opportunity to really sit and observe and work with um, the likes of Deuce Daly, the head coach, and the acting offensive coordinator down at the Senior Bowl, Ben Johnson, they got a chance to work up close with Malik Willis. And after everybody saw the practices, everybody saw his zip, his mobility, his potential, I think he made he generated himself a lot of buzz, which is the goal for him. It's the Lions' job to determine what does this actually mean compared to the big picture. But in my latest mock draft at SIL Lions, I had the Lions selecting Malik Willis at number two. A lot of other pundits. And remember, it was my first edition, so it won't be my final idea or thought. But in my first, I say, okay, he's, you know, he made some noise, made some buzz. Maybe you start putting that out there so that teams can think that you're going to take a quarterback. And that's the job of the general manager is to create buzz and false narratives and things like that. But when supporters saw that, Logan, they flipped out and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We've seen this before. Malik Willis is the next Andre Ware. Do not tell us about Malik Willis. We don't want to see that. Uh, he played at Liberty, the level of competition. We don't think that he's worth it. Not even at 32, 34, anywhere. Just 
follow the Logan plan, build up the team, wait another year or two, and then get your quarterback. And so I respect that. I I uh, saw it, read it. You guys messaged us at Detroit Podcast, and you let us know that, hey, we don't want to see the letters QB in the first, second, third round of this year's draft. We see, collectively, Malik Willis being the next Andre Ware. You got to respect Lions fans for being a little bit skeptical. But what did you make of it? How did you take in the Senior Bowl this year? And what do you think about Malik Willis? Because he does have a trait that, in my mind, lets me watch him. He's mobile. He potentially has the ability to make those extra plays and throws and yards when the pocket collapses. Doesn't everything? Does uh, every play call doesn't have to be perfect? Every route tree and every decision doesn't have to be perfect for the quarterback to potentially launch uh, a toss out there. But hey, I'm curious to get your sense. What did you make of the Malik Willis hype train? It started, baby, and you know it's going. It, it's hitting. It's hitting stride right now in Motown. <laughs> yeah, it is, and I'm I'm not going to be mocking a quarterback at to the Lions because it's just um, yeah. There's always that pre-draft like lead up where these quarterbacks always shoot up the draft boards every year, it's just because it's such an important position. I I do think it is important sometimes to kind of bet on traits, and that's something that we've seen, you know, with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, where these guys. Uh, you know, have everything you look for, the strong arms, but maybe their college film really wasn't what you wanted to see. And they come from offenses that are, you know, like one read offenses and they're just really tough to gauge. And Malik Willis has a super strong arm. He's super fun to watch when he's running the ball. He's an electric player and it is a lot of fun, but uh, you mentioned it. Yeah. It's, I guess you called it the Logan plan where I, I don't think the lions need to reach on a quarterback this year. Um, just due to the fact that they have so many other holes and, uh, the odds are as much as you might like one quarterback or another, it is still a crapshoot in the first round. There's the, the odds of getting a hall of fame type of quarterback. That's just an elite player are small. So I would prefer to have that team, you know, built up where even if you draft a quarterback and you reach on a quarterback a little bit down the line, when you need a quarterback, um, even if they're average, which that's the odds are that they, they probably are <laughs> going to be that. Um, at least you have the team that helped build them up and you can still go very far um, and let that quarterback develop a little bit while you have the team around them. But the Malik Willis hype, I, you kind of figured that was going to happen just because uh, that was always his big knock was he's, he comes from Liberty, had a pension for interceptions and, but he has all the tools and, uh, I, I don't know. I just, uh, have a really tough time seeing him go as high as two right now, even at the end of the first, you know, depending on who's there for the lions. Uh, I, I still think there's other positions I would probably be more prone to drafting before a quarterback, but I don't know. It's, it's really tough to say right now at this point in the draft, but I just, I still have a hard time picturing the Lions drafting a quarterback um, unless one slips and that typically doesn't happen. Quarterbacks don't typically slip because it's such a valued position. Yeah. And the age old adage is if he comes to the Lions, then for sure he's going to be the next Andre Ware. if he ends up with the Packers who will be drafting just ahead of the Lions, then he's going to end up being the next, uh, the next Lamar Jackson. So that's just how the fear goes in my mind. But I don't see, you know, like Malik Willis being a bust. I think that he can be a potentially really strong candidate to play well. But you never know because 
like you said, the range is strong. The range is large. You don't want to be drafting the next Geno Smith when you're looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. Those are the things that get you dismissed as a general manager. So I think that the risk is too great. Um, Maybe if he dips at 34, maybe is the earliest you would consider it. But I just don't see it at this point in time that the quarterback position is something that you're terribly worried about because you have Goff, you have a couple guys in your system that you like that could just be thrown out there. That losing games in 2022 is not terrible because Bryce Young is out there next year. You have assets that if you love somebody, you can potentially package up to get back into a higher spot in the 2023 draft or in this year's draft. You have wiggle room, and that's what having extra picks will allow you is that flexibility, that um, ability that if you love somebody, if you believe that's the guy, then then uh, general manager Brad Holmes will have the opportunity to go out there and um, and and get the talent that is needed. The other player that I think really made a name for himself is Jermaine Johnson. Kind of a mixed bag of reviews. One of our scouts here at SIO Lines, Daniel Kelly, says, "Hey, there's maybe some more question marks." But he made a name for himself. He showed that he's a, he was among the best uh, defensive linemen at the Senior Bowl. It's yet to be determined just yet if he's going to actually suit up and play because of an of an ankle situation. But, you know, somebody there that raised his stock as well. A couple of wide receivers raised their names and things like that. What did you make overall of the Senior Bowl? Uh, how much do you pay attention to it? Is it something that – I know it's elevating, and I know that there's the, also the East-West Shrine Bowl. Do you take part in – do you pay attention to the uh, All-Star Circuit? For me, I do because Lions fans definitely pay attention to it. But for me, it really hits home – where the emphasis starts at the combine for me, where I start looking at numbers and measurables and scheme fit and stuff like that. For me, this is kind of like draft analysis light, where I look at it, I'm interested in it, and I know what's going on, but I'm not dying to understand what happens in the Senior Bowl because it's not a full collection of the talent. And Brad Holmes said it. He said he does not want to be anchored by just knowing what he saw this week. They are going to do full evaluations on everybody that's available, and I can respect that. How much did you pay attention this week, and uh, what was your main takeaways? Yeah, I paid attention to the Senior Bowl quite a bit in the Shrine game, especially like one-on-ones, small school guys that you need to evaluate against better competition. But overall, it's really, you just include it in the the film. I, I tend to watch more game film than the Senior Bowl, and a lot of these Senior Bowl prospects are, you know, like mid-round guys, and there's a few of the you mentioned Jermaine Johnson. He's probably a first round pick. You know, he might have even elevated himself into the middle of the first round. But to me, I, I like you said, I like to go to the combine, really see where these guys are athletically, uh, if they match up to what you see on the film. And then if there's standouts at the combine, you go back and watch a little bit more film on guys. Um, if there's low lights of the combine where players under underwhelm, you go back again. So to me, it's, it's all part of the process. Uh, I really like watching the one-on-one drills, uh, especially at tackle and defensive end, um, you know, even defensive tackles and interior linemen, and especially the cornerbacks and wide receivers. That's always great too. But uh, yeah, the senior bowl is just part of the process. So you can't take everything you see at the senior bowl and make your sole evaluation off of it. It's just, um, a, one piece of the puzzle. So I really enjoy it. It's more football. It's draft. 
I, you know, I really eat up the senior bowl, but at the same time, like Brad Holmes mentioned, you can't just go off the senior bowl as your only, <laughs> you know, data point for what these guys are. Exactly. Exactly. You said it right in regards to pre-draft analysis. I, I think that the trust level, when we look at it, I think a lot of people are really, really happy and satisfied with, um, with Brad Holmes and they feel comfortable based on the first year's draft class. And I think it gives people a lot of hope that this rebuild is going well. And so I think the draft circuit really did well. Um, uh, one of our final points here on this edition of the All Lines podcast is you got a chance, at least the benefit of the system that was put in place this week in Alabama was Deuce Staley and Ben Johnson had elevated roles. You saw the likes of um, Aubrey Pleasant. You saw Antoine randall Kelvin Shepard, all take advanced roles and, and elevated work. And I, and, and I think that that makes it so that the coaching staff and what Dan Campbell told NFL Network is he also has a chance to evaluate the coaches. I think it's a great idea. I think it's great to actually, for Dan Campbell, see how his coaching staff works in different situations, how they can adapt. And for me, I just think that the writing's on the wall. Ben Johnson will be the OC, and I think Dan Campbell will decide to call plays, which kind of has now been put in the spotlight when a national reporter in Michael Silver, who formerly used to be at Sports Illustrated, he comes out and says, wait a minute, Anthony Lynn's not good enough to be in Detroit, but he can hop on quickly to be uh, an advanced, elevated assistant coach with the 49ers. And all uh, the Lions supporters jumped on that. But I, in my blog at SIL Lions, I said that I just think that this situation had the makings of being best for both parties. Lynn is a little bit more conservative, a little bit more run heavy, whereas Dan Campbell is as well. But there, um, there's room for aggressiveness and things like that. I just think it wasn't a good fit. I think for for having Anthony Lynn on the staff, Ben Johnson, Deuce Daly can learn from his professionalism, the all the time spent in the meeting rooms. But I just think that no hard feelings. It was just not the right fit. Sometimes it just you you can say you're a good collaborator and things like that. But I just think that once Dan Campbell maybe got some counsel and some advice from his peers. He just said, you know what, let me just call the plays. And there was some success with it, and I think he's going to continue. I think that keeps him involved. That might keep him focused. And I think that working with the offense might benefit the likes of Jared Goff and Amonra St. Brown. But the the skeptic in me says, well, 49ers were just in the big, one of the big games of the season. They're one step away from the Super Bowl. Do you think the Lions will regret moving on from Anthony Lynn? I have a hard time believing it, but the skeptic in me says, man, now with Trey Lance and potentially them moving forward with Debo Samuel and, and, and continuing their progress, Kyle Shanahan and adding Anthony Lynn might be really good for the 49ers. I think it was a best fit for both, for all parties, really. Um, yeah, Dan Campbell, when he took over play calling, it started off slow, but towards the end of the year, you know, the offense looked much better than it was under Anthony Lynn. And, you know, the 49ers, despite having all the weapons, you know, the quarterback play is still a bit of a question mark, but their offense has always been good. So I don't know how much credit you'll be able to give just to Anthony Lynn uh, once, you know, Trey Lance kind of takes over and depending on how their offense does their offense is still probably going to be good because it's a Shanahan offense. That's just, they've always been um, efficient. And once they, if they Trey Lance is a better quarterback, then yeah, they might get better, but I, I'm not going to be the one who's 
saying, oh, that was all Anthony Lynn. And to me, the Lions just seemed to do better when um, they didn't have Anthony Lynn come play. So it's it's best for all. It is. It is best for all. But uh, I love the the I do love when people say, oh, you're so negative. I love that Lions fans on Twitter go after uh, people that they disagree with. But as long as you keep it respectful, I think that people understand the narratives that are out there. But I also respect the fact that people should be negative about the Lions. This is an organization that doesn't have success. The idea is to question, to be skeptical. The idea is the Lions are an organization that have not earned any trust, any benefit of the doubt. Yeah, there's certain segments of people and reporters that will just say, yeah, everything the Lions do is great. And you you can go back and look and they said that, oh, I'm happy and hopeful with Patricia. Oh, I'm happy and hopeful with Caldwell. Oh, I'm happy and hopeful with Campbell. Well, we know your stance. You don't really have to share it. You know, the idea is in the pursuit of greatness, you have to question. And so not every decision the Lions make is golden. Not everything that they do is prideful. Sometimes they make decisions that maybe aren't the right ones, like maybe allowing a general manager to conduct interviews that are not exactly positive. So sometimes there are things that have to be looked at. And an organ- and I think that's part of the reason why culture was among the first things that that Sheila Ford Hemp figured out wasn't good. Oh, man, we have a bad culture. We got this going on. We got potentially sham interviews going on. And they've corrected it in a positive way. So you can't just sit here and give them the benefit of the doubt all the time. It doesn't mean you don't support the team. It just means that you're looking at things from a perspective of how do the Lions get to where they need to go in the fastest amount of time humanly possible. I think a 60-year rebuild is something that has really crushed and uh, debilitated the fan base. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's hope season, draft season. You're coming out with your draft boards in the coming weeks. We're looking at the players each and every weekend regarding who's out there. Uh, our scout, Daniel Kelly, does great work in reviewing some of the talent that could be drafted, our mock drafts, our analysis daily at SI All Lions, the All Lions podcast trying to ramp it up to twice a week. So it's just a good time to be supporting the Lions, and we appreciate your support and the likes of a great uh, writer and analyst in Logan Lamorandier. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at LLamorandier. He's got great insight, fact-based opinions, really strong analysis, and he's, he's, he's on the pulse, really on the pulse of what's happening with the Detroit Lions. And make sure you stay tuned to SI All Lions Daily for your analysis, highlights, videos, interviews, draft, uh, pre-draft analysis, all good stuff coming from SIO Lines this year. And we appreciate your trust and uh, your time when you listen to our podcast and reading our content. Logan, great stuff. I look forward to taking this pre-draft journey with you. Uh, we are, I think we started this in 2019. So this is our uh, officially, I think I misspoke last time. This is our fourth year podcasting together uh, with Fan Nation SI and the All Lions podcast is just continuing to grow with each and every edition. I really do enjoy the time that we get breaking down the Lions and uh, I look forward to another strong season this year with you. Same, man. Yeah, it's a fun time of year for me. I've always really loved the draft and unfortunately that's usually the highlight of the Lions season is draft time. But yeah, it's been been a great run and looking forward to the future. Yes, sir. Podcasting time has now ended. Make sure you subscribe to the All Lions podcast anywhere you enjoy your favorite podcast. Thanks, Logan. Let's check in next week. Thanks, John. Talk soon.